Welcome to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. This is our second episode. We're pretty excited to, that we've made it past one. I'm here reporting live in Oklahoma. Kenyatta is in the lovely state of Virginia. How are you doing today, Kenyatta? I'm doing pretty good today, Jack. Pretty good. Can't complain. Yeah. It's, you know, you had quite a, almost had quite the adventure earlier today, apparently, with uh, somebody fraudulently buying a ton of alcohol on your account yeah yeah just just to just to fill in the holes in that story mm. i woke up this morning and received a message from my uh local walmart my my online grocery ordering telling me a recent order had been canceled which was funny because i hadn't made a grocery order with them in several weeks so i'm like what is this so i go and look at the details and apparently some genius in california uh, I guess hacked in my account and tried to order seven cases of expensive beer. So that was fun. <laughs> that yeah. was fun to be informed about first thing in the morning. And right. then, and they had it scheduled for pickup for them, you know, about eight in the morning. So yeah, that, well, I guess that wow, was going to be their day. They were starting early. <laughs> yes, they uh, were. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is part of saving the world is quit hacking into people's account and stealing money from them. Pretty much. That's what you're doing when you do that, folks. So not I, that any of our listeners would do that. It was just not at a all. general rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. Do that. Yeah. No. And, and and that was immediate immediate call for me to go in and change our password, of course, and then just sit and ponder what just happened. Just mm, yeah, yeah. That's that's not cool. But it's I'm not. glad that it got caught and uh, canceled before the person was able to destroy their liver. Pretty much, and, seven and cases of beer, <laughs> and even now, you know, several hours later, I'm kind of chuckling. Like this is what you guys thought to order was a bunch of beer. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good thing they didn't order like a 75 inch TV. I mean, it could have been worse. You're right; it could have been worse. Yeah. So, well, well, and Merry Christmas to them. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I will go ahead and start with my. WTF moment. Mm -hmm. And it involves this little worldwide thing going on called the pandemic and how there are statistics and stats in the United States for people that are and aren't vaccinated. And uh, Democratic voters are something like 90% vaccinated, and Republican voters are somewhere under 50%. And the evangelical Trump voter is even lower than that. So that's pretty clear on who's getting vaccinated and who isn't. And then when you also have certain right-wing media, like say, um, what's that network called? Oh yeah, Fox News, that is actively with their talking head people telling people not to get vaccinated. And they've been doing this pretty much since March. Well, they had a host on Sunday who had a guest on and the host on Fox News had the balls to ask if Joe Biden's vaccine policies are working, he promised to get everyone vaccinated. And it's there are 49% of the people in the U.S. that still aren't vaccinated. I don't think Biden's to blame here, Mr. Fox host. I think his name is John Scott. And then your guest, maybe you guys telling Republicans and conservatives not to get the vaccine and then they aren't doing it. Maybe you're the you're the one at fault. <sighs> I just couldn't believe that. I was like, man, that guy has a pretty large set of testicles if he's going to make that claim 
Oh, definitely. And, and I mean, that's what they've been doing, you know, since the, the vaccine went mainstream, so to speak, even yeah. though even though it was, quote unquote, their president that said it's my vaccine. All of a sudden, now that power has changed hands, you know, it's deniability mode. Well, we had nothing to do with this, really. And y'all don't need it. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, really? Yeah. Hmm. yeah, you don't you don't know what you're, what's in it. Well, you can find out there's an ingredient list. You know, it tells you what's inside it like with every vaccine it's not yeah it's not hard by law they have to if you ask for a thing asking what's in the vaccine they have to give it to you mm-hmm. so there's that and then you know a lot of these people i've seen you know they're eating mcribs so clearly not knowing what's in something doesn't bother them. they grew up eating mcdonald's you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a sure sign that not knowing what's in something doesn't bother you. Nope. If you've got tattoos, if you eat fast food, or really a lot of food, regardless if it's fast food or not, it's got something going on. Pretty much any boxed food in the grocery store. If you take vitamins or supplements, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and vitamins and supplements don't, aren't even necess- don't necessarily have to be FDA approved. So you're taking yeah. those. Yeah, and you and you're uh, you're voluntarily going in the store and buying those. So, what exactly is the basis for your argument? Oh, there isn't one. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was. It was a good thing he. I wasn't around when that person was like recording it in the studio because I probably would have punched him in the face. <gasps> Indeed, <laughs> and you and you pretty much just tapped into well part of of, of mine. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to cut you off or anything. So I'm just, keep <laughs> no, that in no. mind. Keep that in yeah. mind. <laughs> no, I, that was just pretty much it. Because I'm like, you're active. You're the problem, not Biden. He's begging people to get vaccinated. You're the one telling people not. It can't be his fault. You, have you forgotten the last six months? It, mm-hmm. It's just the ultimate form of gaslighting. I mean, in a, in a huge, disgusting way. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, how do you... How do you, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? How do you go do that job and spew the stuff you're doing and then come home and be able to look at yourself? Like, do you honestly believe this stuff? And if you do get checked, because it's not, there's a level of, of, I can't even say cognitive dissonance anymore because that's too polite. It just, it just borders on insanity. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it's just crazy. Anyway, moving on. What is your uh, WTF moment? I kind of have a two-parter, and Ooh. only because one of them is a story that I heard about last week that even now just makes me itch. But the part that related to what you just said mm-hmm. happened earlier today. Ooh. While I was out, I was out running errands, and I was actually a witness. I was I was ear hustling, and I was witnessing a, a conversation two hours over in the dollar twenty-five tree. Uh-huh. So <laughs> two ladies are standing in, you know, an aisle one or two over. One of them is talking loud, which to me tells me she definitely wanted to be heard spreading misinformation. Congratulations, right. you succeeded. She's talking to the other lady and she's saying, Well, you know, I heard. And you know when someone starts out a sentence with, you know, I heard, mm-hmm. something's about to happen. Right. Well, you know, I heard that you're 30% more likely to contract it if you're vaccinated. And then, you know, I kind of missed the next sentence. I was like, I don't, I think I might just start tuning out. I was like, no, no, no. 
I just came in here for fake flowers and tablecloths. I don't want this kind of pressure right now. <laughs> and Serenity then now. <laughs> then she starts talking loud again. She said, well, and then the lady she was actually talking to responds with, well, you know, there are a lot of rumors that go around the internet and maybe I'm just projecting, but I want to say that that lady was probably giving her a soft out to mm-hmm. stop talking nonsense. It didn't work. Um, yeah. The first lady proceeds to go on and say, well, you know, there's only 2% chance you can contract it anyway. Clearly, the person doesn't understand what it, the actual stats are. Not oh. at all. Have and you heard is- of the uh, four stages <clears throat> of COVID denial? Do you I have know what not. Those are? Okay. No. Stage one, there is no COVID. <laughs> Stage two, I'm not a sheeple. <laughs> Stage three, I need my prayer warriors. I'm really sick. <sighs> Stage four, could you please contribute to so-and-so's GoFundMe to help pay for their funeral expenses? <sighs> that is the four stages of COVID denial. And, and it's, a, it's a dark joke, but it's... It's sad that we're seeing so many stories end up like this, especially from prominent people, because they're out there on their platform saying, you know, when this first started a year and a half ago, well, this will pass or this isn't a big deal or this is only as bad as the flu, so on and so forth. And then as we're we're chugging through spring and summer and fall last year, okay, well, masks don't really work and well what do we need to distance for from wearing masks and you you think a a a small layer of cloth is going to protect you from a virus like that this this that and the third then we here we come into 2021 and we've got the vaccine out and that's making the rounds well it doesn't work or nobody knows what's in it or they developed it too fast etc it's always something yeah they have to push back against as though this is like a huge, I can't believe to this right now we're speaking this man. There are people sitting in their houses saying this is still just a big conspiracy. You've got to be kidding me. I know. I, I literally had a conversation with somebody within the last three weeks where I was saying, so you believe that between the two, a vast worldwide conspiracy that involved the leaders of every single country on the planet got together and they allowed the people in their country to get sick and die from a manufactured disease because Trump is so dangerous, they had to get him out of office. Or it's a virus that's particularly deadly and spreads easy and is killing people. And he said, yeah, number one, that's exactly what's happening. That's more plausible. Like, like seriously, if that's the case, I have some beachfront property in Illinois. Right. Or Iowa. Or, oh, I don't know, Oklahoma to sell you. What kind of crack are you smoking? Because we need to get that strain off the street. That is dangerous. Like that, yeah. that, that line of thought is dangerous, especially now. And I'm looking at stats right as we speak. Not that I, I want to be reminded, but looking at stats right now, mm-hmm. we are at 777,000 mm-hmm. deaths. And there's still people saying out saying it's a hoax or it's not that bad or I will not be coerced or controlled by my government, et cetera, et cetera. Give me a freaking break. I went and looked it up and I actually mathed and in the year and 10 months, whatever it is, the coronavirus has been kicking around in the U.S. killing people. It has killed more people than every war, every military skirmish. 
and you know, this is things where one person died that was in the military in the entirety of our country since the war for independence minus world war ii and the civil war Nonsense. and we did that in a year and 10 months in a year and 10 months mm-hmm. you know and there was one point where a 9-11's worth of people were dying a day yes and yes we ended up in a 20-year war because of 9-11 Mm-hmm. But yep. oh, this is fake. Nobody's dying. They're fudging the numbers. And- well, I can't. And I, I think this is probably something I'll tell you offline. But <laughs> here, here as of late, those kind of people and that rhetoric make me sicker than I think I have ever been since this yeah. thing started. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm just, with you. I, I, I'm, I'm past the point where I'm hollering about it because even though they're still out there, they're so entrenched. In their beliefs, there's no, there's no talking to them. Yeah. There's, there's no trying to convince them of something otherwise. We can drag out, we can drag half a dozen scientists from the CDC and, and World Health and every other top level yeah. medical and scientific organization across the planet and sit them down. And they'll be like, eh, yeah. no, I don't buy well, they're, it. They're lying because they wanted to get Trump out of office. And it's like, you realize that if that was the case, their plan hinged upon Trump mishandling the response to COVID-19 because if he handled it correctly, he would have got reelected. So part of their plan was that Trump was an idiot and then he didn't get reelected. So what are you saying? (laughs) Plus, you know, it became very clear that at the time, you know, Cuomo was so popular. People preferred to turn, you know, to tune into his Mm -hmm. briefings instead of the president. And the president was like, I don't like this shit. And he yeah. stopped doing them. Like, yeah. how are you? How are you providing comfort and support to your citizens, and you won't bother to sit here and speak to us on a regular basis? Are you kidding? Yeah. That's why he got mad at uh, Anthony Fauci because people like Fauci more than they like him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yep. Anyway, that was Bananas. the part one of your WTF. So. Yes, and like I said, I had to, I had to I had to. I wanted to mention that because I was actually a witness to it. And I just kind of stood there frozen for half a second. Like, is she serious? She's loud and wrong all up in this yeah. public store. That, I, I, can, I can't. That lady is lucky that it was early because it would have been pretty scary if you would have had your diary of a mad black woman. Because <laughs> I did when I passed by the aisle. I kind of peeked down there. She wasn't wearing a mask. And the lady she was talking to was. So I was like, let me, I got, I'm on the timeline. I got things to do. I got to get back to the house. I'm not doing this. I just kept walking. I can't do it. I can sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's the better part of valor. <laughs> yes. And I, I guess that's a mark of maturity when you can, you don't have to take as long to consider that path of least resistance. So yeah. that's what I did. <laughs> right. I understand. I understand. So. <laughs> So the second in the original WTF story mm-hmm. <clears throat> was or is New Rochelle, New York. Mm-hmm. A young high school student, 16-year-old Tony Humphrey, is a student athlete. And until recently, he had been a- attending Iona Prep playing okay. baseball. Mm-hmm. So apparently he's a real good athlete, varsity level, all that stuff. And he decided that in baseball offseason, he was going to join the track team to improve his running speed. Makes sense. Yeah. 
So, mm-hmm. so he's approached one day by the assistant athletic director who asks him, you know, why'd you join the track team? Want to improve my speed, he says. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, well, you're pretty fast already. And the young man is like, yeah, I, I am pretty fast. And the athletic director, and let's, us, let's remind everybody in case it's not obvious, this athletic director is an adult, a member of faculty at this school. Yeah. The athletic director says, well, you should be pretty fast already, you know, running from the police. Oh, oh, that's, uh, I'm going to go with inappropriate on multiple uh, levels. Very much so. <laughs> so the young man's like, oh, so he goes home that afternoon or that day to let his parents know what happened. So he is now. Was that at the prep school or the school he's currently at? At the prep school. Okay. Okay. I, I just wanted to clarify. So that did indeed inform his decision and his parents' uh, decision to transfer out to a local public school closer to his home. I, I do not blame the parents one bit. No. And the trick is, is that apparently, according to him, some equally tasteless things had happened a couple years before or a year or two before during his freshman year. And he had mm. told faculty and staff and not much was done about it, apparently. So this was not the first time he had been involved with something racist happening. Mm -hmm. So, and interestingly enough, the articles that I've read don't name the assistant athletic director by name, but they said he has since, quote unquote, resigned. So, Well, one, the resigning is the appropriate action in that case on his part after his inappropriate actions. But you almost have to wonder the parents, do you sue the prep school? It, it does make you wonder, like, how much more action should we take? Yeah, because uh, he'll probably just get hired somewhere else in a year or so. Probably less than that. And chances are, if he was in that position, he probably had been in the, at the school long enough. That technically, he probably didn't really resign. He probably retired effective immediately. Could have been. And I have a feeling that if the young man says... He didn't say, you know, who it was that he had the encounter with previously. Mm -hmm. Something tells me not only that that athletic director, but probably other faculty and staff have said inappropriate things. I, I have I have little doubt of that because it like I don't think that people say things like that. And it's the one and done. Obviously, it's something they right. they that's that they're thinking about how constantly yeah. we don't know. But the fact that it was so easy for you to say, and then you, you laugh it off like it's a joke, that tells me there's probably right. some kind of culture there that lets them get away with saying things like that because they think it's cute. Yeah. One thing I've sort of noticed, it, it didn't start in 2016. It really kind of started about 2018. Well, it did, but it like ballooned in 2018. Let me, let me rephrase that. It did sort of start in 2016, and then about 2018, it just sort of started ballooning. And I'm not going to say that perhaps the person that was in the White House at that time might have had something to do with it, but people are saying the the you know the quiet things out loud now, thoughts that maybe they had and before they would have not said, and now people are saying them. And yep. I'm like, you know, we should be. That's like 1800 shit, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I, I, like I said, and you're right, I, it's kind of hard to put a finger on when exactly because there's always been people, but mm -hmm. now they're feeling far more comfortable in saying what they want to say. 
without hesitation. Yeah. And and the idea is again to me it smells just like another another form of entitlement. I'm thinking it, so it must be important. So I'm going to say it. And then yeah. they can't understand when they get absolutely buried for it. Yeah. Like, well, you shouldn't have taken it that way. No, you shouldn't have said it. But it's never their fault. And it's yeah. always the fault of it's always the fault of the listener or the receiver being quote unquote too sensitive or a snowflake. Yeah. Or they they just took it the wrong way. Yeah. I meant it in the best way possible. Sure you did. <laughs> yeah. And I you know Growing up, were you ever told by your parents that just because the thought pops in your head doesn't mean you have to say it? I may have been, but whether or not I heard them (laughs) (laughs) is another question. Yeah, well, it ties in with that uh, representative from Colorado, Lauren Probert or whatever the hell her name is. And I almost made that my WTF moment. but it ties in with what you're saying, what she said about the other representative. Mm -hmm. once again, that's one of the things that used to be you wouldn't have said out loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if you believe it, you don't want people to know that that's what you believe or you thing shouldn't. Is, the thing with her and, and those like her that supposedly represent you know, us common citizens in government is that it's not so much them that should be the concern. It's about the constituency that put her in office. Yeah. And they feel far more secure in letting this kind of purpose, purpose person, excuse me, represent them, thinking that they mm-hmm. have their interests in mind when they really don't. They're just there to troublemake. Yeah, and it, you know, basically like like little like little mean puppies come in the house and shit on your carpet and then bark at you and walk out. That's their thing. That's what they want the right? attention. They want to go up there and make trouble. They're not interested in serving the populace. So the, the problem yeah. here, not so much is with those people. I mean, they're a problem, but the fact that someone actually elected them into office. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, maybe sometimes there's a case of buyer's remorse and, you know, it is conceivable someone can run and set out a certain sort of, uh, you know, this is how image. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you're like, that is not the person that ran for office. And, but in her case, I don't believe that because she's a QAnon conspiracy theorist trumpers so the mm-hmm. people that elected her knew what she what she stood for mm-hmm. and then after her apology she came out and had her little thing and all i could think of was you almost look like a character from mean girls almost a preppy girl who thinks she's the queen of the school and she treats everyone like crap that's how she came off after her apology yeah with the whole, okay, it's safe to be in here because she doesn't have a backpack on. And I can just imagine the little brainless giggle she probably did after she yeah. said that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm blown away. I'm blown, but you're right. It's, it's along the same lines. You say something tasteless because you think you're clever. Yeah. And, and she was in a safe space because the people that were there laughed when she said yeah, it. Exactly. Just reinforcement of your bullshit. So yep. you're going to keep doing it. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think your uh your WTF moment, the the real one, not the first one that kind of tied in with mine, Mm -hmm. sort of tied in with what you had wanted to talk about today, which is sort of like uh, didn't you say like entitled like people that are born feeling they're entitled to a certain, you know, have certain things happen, which of course is privilege. Isn't Mm -hmm. that what you said? Actually what I wanted to touch on and when I when I 
when I thought about it, I knew it was a, it, it's one of, it's a big uh, topic in that mm-hmm. it touches a lot. Like, well, I won't even say a lot. I say most aspects of our society and it's implicit or inherent bias. Mm-hmm. And the way it's defined, and there were several definitions that I came across, mm-hmm. but the best one, and I think the more, the more, the clearer one I found, uh, an implicit bias or inherent bias is a subconscious attitude or belief that affect how people treat others around them. Mm-hmm. And the trick is, is that they're unconscious. They're not things that are in the forefront of our mind on a regular basis. Right. And, and some of these biases are positive and eh. oftentimes, unfortunately, biases are negative. Right. And it causes it causes you to have the to internalize or have internalized beliefs in a person or a group of people or idea that is negative. And mm-hmm. oftentimes you get the impression that it's negative because it's not like you. Right. So anything foreign or anyone that doesn't look like you or speak like you or come from the same places you do somehow have to be inherently bad. And that's not anything that we overtly learn. There's no one in, in, in a room saying, okay, these things don't mean as much as you do. It's not anything like that. There are things that we see that we're exposed to when we're young. It has to do with our upbringing, mm-hmm. our socioeconomic background, education, what kind of media or entertainment that we're exposed to in our peer groups. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things influence the things that we believe, whether or not they're actually true. And in turn, those are the, those are the things that we work off of in how we treat or interact with other people. Right. So my WTS story kind of relates to that in that. And when I mentioned that, to have that that that's that faculty member a member of staff now mm-hmm. say something like that so casually tells me there is an environment where these children were probably talked to like this on a regular basis yeah. and the, and the, to me the the bias comes from unfortunately you're you're starting to feed that kind of bias to the students that you're supposed to be teaching one right two you're having you already have an attitude um, a negative stereotype that you have now turned into an internal belief that somehow uh, black people most likely have had some kind of negative encounter with police. Thanks. Right. That's not true. It's not accurate, but it doesn't matter because right. it's something that you've chosen to believe. And oftentimes those kind of beliefs are reinforced in our life experiences and things we see and come across in, in, in who we interact with. Right. So it's sort of the, the same thing, like with there's a, Say there's a large company and there's a woman VP in the, it's never, oh, wow, she worked really hard, busted her ass, knows what she's doing and she got there. It's always, I wonder who she had to, had to blow to get that job. Exactly. To move up like that. Who did she Mm -hmm. sleep with, Mm -hmm. you know, to do that? Well, no, she probably earned it. (laughs) And what's hilarious is that (laughs) even with, even with that kind of stereotype in place, which it has been for years. Don't you think there'd be a lot more women executive level jobs than there are? But they're yeah. talking like less than 1% of like Fortune 500 companies. Literally, you can count on two hands how many female executive level positions there are. And yeah. even less for women of color. So if it were really that easy 
that all we had to do was was to have to make some sexual advance on some man in the right position to move up. There'd be a lot more of us up there. Yeah, because <laughs> I've known a few <laughs> people that, <laughs> that would be like, "Hey, if that's what it's going to take, I'm, that's what I'm going to do." I'm I'm not judging. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. <laughs> there would be a lot more female executives if mm-hmm. that was the case. And that, and yeah. that, I think that's what's so funny about the idea of implicit bias again because it's unconscious it's not something that we're always thinking about but mm-hmm. one example i found which is a pretty good example and i've been on the receiving end of it is um when a white person is let's say in an elevator or on the same side of a street and coming close to a black person mm-hmm. and they're in the elevator they're kind of especially a woman grab her purse closer and scooch away Right. Or if they're on the walking down the same side of a street and they're coming across a black person, they'll cross the street and they're not exactly sure why at that moment. It's just something and they're telling them that there's a threat somewhere. And that unfortunately is a bias that is held across multiple aspects of of this society and in in different institutions. And I'd like to say I've had that happen to me. And you know, I, I happen to this was years ago but it's it it the thing of it is it starts to happen so often and we call those kinds of things like microaggressions small things that you see happening and you you know why it's happening but they start to happen so often you almost don't notice it then (laughs) exactly yeah yeah so like i i had gotten in line in the checkout line the grocery store one day behind an older white woman and she happened to look halfway over her shoulder and i was a fan of social distancing before there was a thing so mm-hmm. I never got close to people like that. Yeah, that's how I was. But I get behind her. Maybe we've got three, four feet between us. And I'm on my business. I think I'm, you know, looking at the tabloids or something. I notice her look over her shoulder. And then she scoots up a few inches, takes her purse straps and folds them over the top of her purse and kind of scooches it closer to herself. Right. I was like, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those moments. Okay. Yeah, that's ridiculous it is and like i said it's just it's it's just stuff that that happens on the regular and like you said yeah. it happens so much it's just like you can't even be mad anymore well sometimes too it can be like a like a corporate policy kind of thing so mm-hmm. um you know i work for the state of oklahoma and for the longest time the janitorial services and housekeeping was contracted out so goodwill supplied housekeeping for all of the uh, state buildings there in the Capitol complex. And then something changed where uh, the contract with Goodwill changed and then a law changed so that if you wanted to hire housekeeping and make them an employee, you could. And that's what our building chose to do because we liked the staff that did it, uh, did housekeeping, do housekeeping. They, they did an excellent job. And so they hired all of the Goodwill staff and now they're Oklahoma Historical Society employees. Which I was incredibly happy for them because Goodwill gets away with paying people less than minimum wage. Yes. Which I think is bullshit. Hmm. And, you know, let's be honest, nobody generally works harder in a building than housekeeping. <laughs> and so they got hired and I was, I was really happy for all, all of the, good, the housekeeping staff because now they have, they were getting, you know, earning vacation, a retirement, um, sick leave, and they all got like a, Four dollar or five dollar an hour rates. Nice. Yeah. So I was I was very happy for him. But when 
it was Goodwill. Goodwill had a policy in place that you had to call uh, when you went to, you know, get the trash out of somebody's office, Mr. Robertson or Mrs. Smith or sir or ma'am. And I always said, hey, call me Jack. And they're like, we're not allowed. Okay. Well, when they got hired, <laughs> the one guy who does our office came through and he was like, called me, sir. And I said, all right, we're coworkers now. You're an employee of the Historical Society. Call me Jack. He's like, I can't do that. I'm like, no, you can. We're coworkers. We both work for the same, the same, you know, agency. It doesn't matter that our job is different. We're still coworkers. Call me Jack. And he's like, I can't. And it's been a year and a half, two years. And I still can't get him to call me Jack. Mm-mm. And it was because for so many years he had that policy that he couldn't do it. And that's sort of a, a bias that was put into sort of his head, mm-hmm. you know, from, from the corporate standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's, you know, call me by my name. And, and like you said, they think they, they don't have the right to. They, 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 like you said, they've, it's been drilled into them for so long that they're quote unquote subservient. And I have, even to this day, I have a problem with, even when I'm talking about like, you know, a, a supervisor or a manager, someone that has a higher title than me, I still have problems considering myself a subordinate. Not mm-hmm. that I don't show due respect, you know, when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I do. I'm not saying I always have. It's another story. But in the course of things, I give as much respect as due. And I'll do a little, obviously, I'll do more when it's someone who ranks higher than me that I, you know, report directly to. It's just right. the name of the game when you work for somebody else. Yeah. But I have a problem with it being seen as a subordinate or subserving it. I'm not mm. beneath you. I just yeah. have to have, I happen to have a lower title, but I'm not beneath you because that implies yeah. to me that what I do isn't as important as what you do. And that's not true. Just like you right. said, like custodial and housekeeping staffs, they have some of the hardest and the most probably insulting jobs there are because they yeah. have to go behind people who are inconsiderate and messy and nasty and will just leave a mess and be like, oh, somebody will get it. Like, I wasn't raised that way. If I go to 7-Eleven yeah. and I spill my coffee on the coffee bar, I'm cleaning it up. Yeah. That's just, that's how I was raised. I can't, I'm not leaving that behind for somebody else just because it's quote unquote their job. I don't, I, I can't buy into that. But like you said, unfortunately, depending on where you, where you are in life and where you've been and what opportunities you've had, sometimes you don't know, or you don't know what you never had the opportunity to learn or no one's dealt with you on an equal human, human level. Yeah. They don't, they don't get the, the privilege that they're 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 entitled to 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 be yeah. um, to be recognized just like you as an employee. They think somehow they still quote unquote are beneath somebody, and that's it's so backwards. It it's backwards. Yeah. And like, yeah. and 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 when we're talking about things like employment, um, bias comes in. It comes in. It comes in. It comes in so many ways from jump. Like you know, there have been studies done where. The same resume, mm-hmm. same credentials. You change the name. Change the name to something that sounds "quote unquote" ethnic. Mm-hmm. That person won't get a call back. That guy named Brad will. I mean, right. that's been proven over and over and over again. It's like, how how do people explain that to themselves, or or can yeah. they, or do they? It's because oftentimes they don't realize what it is that they're doing because they've been led to believe that somehow blacks and other people of color are just not equal. Or yeah. they don't deserve the same consideration. And I read a couple of weeks ago, I follow a guy on Facebook. He's very funny. 
and he happens to be a lawyer, Ivy Ivy mm-hmm. League trained and all that. But he's pretty witty, very dry sense of humor. You probably like him. And he's talking about mm-hmm. um, a study that he read about years ago in a law firm where they did a similar kind of test. They handed out a brief to two groups of lawyers and told one group of lawyers, hey, this was written by Kwame Johnson. He's a black guy. Mm-hmm. They give the same brief to this other group of lawyers. Hey, this was written by Brad Smith. It's a white guy. Same exact brief. They told these two groups of lawyers, proofread it. Tell us what you think about it. How good was it? The group of Mm -hmm. lawyers that had the brief written by Kwame came back with at least twice as many marks and errors, like small piddly stuff like spelling and punctuation. And it didn't make the argument strong enough. The same exact brief. Yeah. And it's like, how does it makes you wonder how in the world did they get to the point where they actually believe something as simple as a name is a legitimate determination of someone's level of intellect? Where? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it makes me itch. Just, and I, like I said, I understand that oftentimes these things are they're subconscious and there's, there's, we're not sitting here deliberately thinking, well, this black guy, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not a smart. And, and there have been people obviously who have done that. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, out loud, Hey. They're not as smart, so it can't be, right. you know, th- this yeah. can't be them. Yeah, well, two things. One, this ties into what we were talking about uh, last week with the the trial, the uh, McMichael, McMichael, Bryan trial, as mm-hmm. we call it, as it should be called, versus calling it the uh, Ahmad Avery trial. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that sort of bias, because as I stated, Ahmad Avery puts a certain picture of a person in someone's head. Mm-hmm. And that picture is generally not going to be white. And so, you know, that ties into what we were talking about. It's that, that same bias. And I had another thought and now it's gone. It flew away. It's okay. It's, it's the age. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. But, but yeah, it, exactly that. And, and, not, and there were so many different kinds of biases in that story. Mm-hmm. Just not just his name, but the fact that he was running the mm-hmm. fact that there had already been reports of criminal activity in the area. The fact that obviously these men in the community they lived in already had an impression about black people to begin mm-hmm. with. Yeah. So as soon as they see a black guy that they don't necessarily recognize running, something must be wrong. So right there yeah. is the bias that there's something wrong happening here. And he's it's, it's him. He's a perpetrator. We need to go handle it. Yeah. So there's just so many levels of bias already built in to, to that even push them out of the houses that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And it's just it's and, and law enforcement in the judicial system is one of the worst examples of how deep bias goes. And we're we're talking, and I don't want to necessarily go into it because that's that's something and that that's something that we could do an entire episode on alone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But sentencing and the difference between, yeah, no, I I knew where you were going. (laughs) Yeah, that and even before we even get there, oftentimes we've seen, we haven't even seen people even get to the point where they can go to court. There's the Mm -hmm. bias that already they're a threat Mm -hmm. just just from when the police stop them. They're a threat. You know, we're talking Fidel Castillo. We're talking about Michael Brown. We're talking about. George Floyd. Any mm-hmm. any any action that they took that would be ordinary, an ordinary or just you know 
non-suspicious action taken by a white person, if they do it all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just as simple as getting stopped by the police for speeding and you go and reach in your glove compartment for your registration and such. A white person, them doing it wouldn't necessarily be seen as suspicious. Far too often, as we know for a fact, when a black person or a person of color goes to do the same exact thing, all of a sudden, they're the reaching hand for goes a weapon. To the gun. Yes, they're reaching for yeah. a weapon. And it's like, hey, dumbass, where else are you going to put your insurance verification? Yeah. You're going to put it in your glove box. And, and that's the thing. That's, and I've, I've, I've read instances of where now people are taking steps to, and, and they make them little, little um, folders that you can slide up on your sun visor. Yeah. To have it right close to you. And the thing, the thing of it is, and this is part of having, quote unquote, the talk with our mm-hmm. young people. Yep. When they start going out in the world, especially when they get your driver's licenses and they'll be on the streets by themselves or with their friends. We have to have the talk with them. This is how you need to act if you're stopped by the police. Yeah. Because any action or things you say that may seem innocuous otherwise may very well be taken as some sort of threat. You have to over-exaggerate what? the fact that yeah. you are not a threat, that you are, yeah. you are being safe. Yeah. So it's just, it's bananas that you, we, we're actually taking steps, not just to talk, but you know, there are products out in the market right now that allow mm-hmm. you to put your registration and insurance right there in plain sight. So yeah. you don't have to reach for anything anymore. It's right. bananas, bananas. Yeah. And eventually we're probably going to get to a point where all they got to do is run your tag and they'll be able to tell if you have insurance or not without having to even get your insurance verification, but we're not there yet. So Mm -mm. Nope. It's just, like I said, it's just to me, especially when I was younger and, you Mm -hmm. know, before I actually knew things, you know, the idea of police and law enforcement, the first thing you think about is safety and security mm-hmm. and that's what they're there for they're here to protect us from the people doing bad things and then you get older and if you're paying attention you start seeing these kinds of stories and the thing of it was is that this stuff had, uh, had been hap- has 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 been happening mm-hmm. as far back as anybody can remember but now well, we've got little tiny video cameras in our hands 24 7 mm-hmm. now we're getting proof and people still don't believe yeah, but that's this is what's happening. That yes, um, unfortunately, uh, police brutality happens to to everyone. Unfortunately, across the board, regardless of ethnicity or race or what have you. But it's it has been happening in larger percentages to people of color, and it's been like this mm-hmm. for years. And even with video, we're still not believed. It's like okay, well, what happened before the video started? Or the one I like, well, they just should have followed the rules. They should have done what they were yeah. told, and, and this wouldn't have happened. And even when all of the rules crap happens, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, it, I, I just get at a loss of words sometimes because you hear people, you know, something happens, and they're like, "Well, you know, so and so, they had they had spent time in jail." Okay, yeah. I thought in the American system that once you served your time and you got released that it was over mm-hmm. right isn't that what what we say that we believe as a country you do your time and you you get a restart mm-hmm. now do a lot of people get out of jail and start committing crimes again yeah mm-hmm. that is the case but when you first encounter somebody you don't know any of that <laughs> no. you know and, and that and so many people jump off 
their starting point is, well, that person had been in jail before. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what? Is there not a gigantic marketing thing going on in this country right now with Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. And only one of those people. Who's the felon? Thank you. Thank you. It but there's some. Th- th- that's the thing. The assumption is let's let's take those two and put them in front of an audience that's not familiar with who they are, which would be difficult at this point, mm. even outside this country. It may be difficult, but let's just say. And 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 unfortunately, bias tells us that a lot of people will be like, mm, "Is that tall, skinny black guy?" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, when Snoop Dogg first came out in the '90s, if you would have told me. 25 years from now, he was going to be used in all sorts of marketing ads for commercials. I don't think anyone in America would have believed it, including Snoop Dogg. You're right. You were absolutely right. I, I remember his beginnings clearly, and I, I would have had no idea myself. Yeah, he was, he was quite controversial back in the day. <laughs> he, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess he's, he's, he's hit his quiet point of life, <laughs> Yeah, which is hilarious when you talk about someone like him. But I, I, I watched that show that he had with Martha, the cooking show. Absolutely hilarious. Apparently, they are like really good friends in real life. They mm-hmm. started out, I guess, as a joke, but they actually liked each other. And now they are friends in real life, which mm-hmm. is fantastic because that it shows is. you that you can be friends with anyone. Yep. Well, like you were saying, it's just you take the two of them and, and there's an assumption made mm-hmm. off the jump about what one of them is or was or has been involved with. And it, it would be completely inaccurate. So yeah. it's like, mm, okay, it's sort of like how I feel. And it's made this maybe I maybe I may be a little wrong, but go with me. Okay. How they talk about rappers. Now, mm-hmm. I remember when rap first hit the scene way back in the day yeah and that was back when parachute pants were a thing yes and they said it was it was a fleeting fad it wasn't a last long okay and now we're looking at a culture where hip-hop here literally it's called hip-hop culture it's mm. it's in so many facets not just in this country but in other countries as well it's it's a it's a, a lifestyle now and yeah. how unfortunately some of the more um, better known rappers have died in, by violent means, unfortunately. Yeah, that was I, especially in the 90s that oh, yeah. happened. And I mean, even now, I mean, and I don't listen to rap or these newer rap artists as much as I used to because I guess because I'm old. I don't know. But um, I used to hate to hear people say, well, you know, that kind of lifestyle that they lead kind of lends itself to dying like that why would you make the assumption because mm-hmm. not there are some rappers who have have not been shy about saying yes they were involved in illegal activity yes they were part of gangs yes they slang dope that was part of their past it's done mm-hmm. and that's yeah. where they draw their inspiration from but you can't say that every rapper out there has had that kind of life or has that kind of past or has that kind of experience some of those rappers mm-hmm. went to private school and lived yeah. in the suburbs and had, you yeah. know, white collar parents. They didn't have that that background, but they come across as though they did. Yeah, it's kind of a persona. Which, by the way, if we're going to talk old school rap, I just want to give a shout out to the Sugar Hill Gang. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, no, it. But good issue. I mean, sort of on that, sort of on that note, you know, in the in the eighties, Ice T was not exactly. Uh, 
loved by mainstream people. I mm-hmm. think he was one of the uh, people that Tipper Gore was going after when she was trying to get a rating system on music. It was, I think he was one. I know two live crew was another. Um, yeah. yeah. She had it in for a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And nice I played a cop on law and order SVU for like 30 years now. <laughs> exactly. That's the funniest part. <laughs> I know based on but, that song. <laughs> but the, what's hilarious is that he, he did have that kind of background where he did some illicit. He was a pimp. Yeah. Yeah. So he did those kinds of things. And so he drew from that experience and I, I, that's part of it. And the fact that he, he really is kind of a charismatic dude. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know if most people know this, but if you go back and watch the eighties breakdance and music uh, movie, break it, he was the house DJ where they had uh, the breaking the breakdance and competitions. Indeed. But did you know who was also in breaking who had a very small part? You'll never guess Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. Oh my gosh, really? Yes, wow. he's like he's like that. one of the background characters in one of the opening <laughs> scenes when they're dancing on the street. And I was like, and I, and I, you know, I had to run out at some point and actually buy Breaking and Breaking 2. I mean, it was a two for one. So <laughs> yeah. I went ahead and got the second one. That's that's not worth talking about. But yeah, well, you know, it pisses me off that those races corrupted Boogaloo because Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo is where that came from. And then races had to hijack Boogaloo. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. really irritates me. Yeah. You yeah. know, breaking such a came from a more innocent time. It did when men could wear mesh midriff shirts and have no shame. It's exactly. beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Turbo? And then what was the other dude? Ozone and Turbo. <laughs> ozone, yeah. Ozone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ozone and Turbo, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and um the the um the actor slash dancer that played I think it was Ozone. He passed away. Yeah. Yeah. He recently, like in the last couple months, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It was earlier this year. That, that blew my mind. I'm like, yeah, that's my childhood. That is yeah. wild. That is wild. But that's, that's, that's one of those things that you may think it's a, you know, talking about how rappers die. You may think it's a fair assessment, but you have, yeah. that you have no idea what kind of lifestyle these these folks had before they came up what do you mean it's almost them saying what well, they had it coming well, how do you how do you justify saying that about another human being i mean seriously yeah. unless you know for a fact that this person you know killed somebody or something like that especially and, when in rock and roll there's the the 27 club yeah i mean you know Jimi hendrix janice joplin jim morrison they Amy were all Winehouse. 27. Amy Winehouse was 27. Mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain, mm-hmm. I believe he was also 27. I believe. And uh, so many, you know, people that are in the rock world have died from drug overdoses and, you know, or, or because of drug usage. Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots, Lane Staley from mm-hmm. Allison Chains. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to mention, not to mention, unfortunately, those, those artists that have died by their own hand in other ways, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I'm not here condoning, you know, anything like drug dealing or anything remotely like that, but you're implying that <clears throat> whatever past these people had, it shouldn't be a surprise that they died the way they did. It kind of, it throws me, it throws me funny. Like seriously, nobody knows all the skeletons in your closet. And if you had to be judged on whether or not you lived or died based on what you used to do, would you make it? Yeah. That's I mean, that's those, those, those kind of questions I have when people say say that kind of garbage. I'm like, you don't have to like the person, and and no, they don't they don't um, not everything they did is it may be something you agree with or even understand. You don't have to like them, and when they you know they passed away, if you don't have nothing nice to say, just shut up. 
basically. Yeah. That's how I feel about it most days. Just, just hush. Just hush. It, yeah. The world will not suffer because you held your opinion to yourself. I promise. <laughs> yeah. I promise. <laughs> but yeah. like, it's, 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 it's stuff like that that I guess, obviously, and like I, I want to say like that, almost the difference between an inherent or implicit bias and um, an assumption is like the assumption is something you're thinking in the front of your mind. And it's right. often based on, you know, your unconscious thoughts. But just like you said earlier, now people are saying the quiet parts out loud. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you all of a sudden you're listening to people that you may have known a long time and they're saying stuff you would have never believed. Like, oh, yeah. So that's what you thought all along. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I remembered what I was going to say early. Mm-hmm. In a way, I like it, though, when people say the quiet parts out loud because you know what the person really is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there is that. I'm glad that popped back in my head. Yes. They have the and, courage and of their me. conventions. Yeah. But there is one thing that I would like to throw out from, uh, from a whitey point of view. And <laughs> <laughs> that is this. This has happened to me multiple times in my life. And I always find it kind of hurtful when it's said, but I understand why it's said because I know where it came from. And that is where like a black person will be like, Hey, we have the same last name. I wonder if your ancestors owned my ancestors. And that just bothers me because my ancestors didn't own slaves. They were broke ass white people. (laughs) Seriously. I have an ancestor that made uh, brooms for a living out of straw. And that was his job. He was lucky to feed his family if you're a broom maker. <laughs> it, but I understand that that's how you know a lot of black people got their name because it was that. Just don't assume that if you have the same last name as a white person, that their ancestor did that. Because chances are it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, Jack, to get the hell out of my head. Because I was thinking about that very thing last night about last names. And I'll tell you a story. Excuse me. Go ahead. There was a fellow I used to work with when I still live back home in Oklahoma. I don't know if you remember, there was a place out there near the airport called Candid Color Systems. Mm-hmm. They owned Glamour Shots. Yeah, yeah. So I used to work there. Oh. My, it was my second to last job before I finished school and moved here to Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I was there a couple of years. I worked in the shipping department. And there was a fellow mm-hmm. there I worked with. It was a very eclectic mix of folks back there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and one young man I worked with, he was, and I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably going to spew some bias in a minute. He was <laughs> typical Oklahoma dust on the cowboy boots type. Mm-hmm. He was a nice guy. He was, you know, he was decent natured and all that stuff, but he was kind of rigid in his thinking, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. We, we crack jokes back there. And tease everybody, you know, tease each other, mm-hmm. you know, real innocently. And you get to him and say something. And he had one of those faces that would turn apple red in like seven seconds flat if he felt embarrassed. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. So his last name was Freeman. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling him one day that I said, I, I, um, I've heard a theory that the last name Freeman actually is a shortened version of Freedman, mm-hmm. which... When the Emancipation Proclamation came through and many slaves started to be freed, they mm-hmm. actually took that as a description of who they were and eventually came, went from freedman to freeman. Mm-hmm. And 
when I tell you his face did the beat red thing in less than seven seconds, mm-hmm. as though and it, it kind of blew my mind that he was getting upset. And I'm like, and he was like, what are you trying to tell me? That um, not so much that his family had owned slaves, but that somehow he was related to someone mm-hmm. that had been a slave. And that's where he yeah. gotten that name. He didn't like it. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, and I didn't say it out loud. I'm thinking to myself, well, what's, is that so wrong that somewhere six or seven times back, mm-hmm. you, may, you may share a common ancestor with a black person? Yeah. And I didn't say that out loud, but it stuck in the back of my mind yeah. for the rest of the time that I work with him. Like, so that's, so that's what we're yeah. doing here. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't care if I had, I've done genealogy. So back, I'm, I'm as white as they come, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but we did my wife's and my wife as a fifth or sixth times uh, great grandparent who was, who was black, mm-hmm. which is fine. Cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't care one way or the other, but it just sort of always irritates me when it's sort of assumed that, well, clearly your ancestor owned slaves because we have the same last name. Well, no, that's not always the case. And probably more often than not, it isn't the case. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just, it's just something that, I mean, obviously it's not like a huge deal, but just don't assume that. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. I mean, and those kinds of assumptions can go so many different ways when you talk about you know surnames and especially how what people got what kind of names like my name for instance and i'm sure at some point my father will listen to this because mm-hmm. he's the he's the one that told me about it and he's done some some genealogy work on um his mother's side of the family mm-hmm. and he's he's gotten some impressive information we're talking about people clear back to the late 1700s oh that's really cool oh yeah and from what i remember and i'll probably end up clarifying this with him at some point anyway but our last name from what he said some years ago came from an english ship captain that of course ended up being one and i don't know that he was necessarily a biological ancestor mm-hmm. but the last name was apparently taken from him or he he gave that last name mm-hmm. to slaves that he apparently was transporting or it was given in some way so in this and that in our- happened frequently too yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so or like in this case, either, um, you know, freed slaves were chose to use the last name mm-hmm. of their slave owners, quote unquote, or they were just given those last names if they were given last names at all. Right. Oftentimes that didn't even happen. Yeah. And I can see where if you were a slave and you were after Lincoln freed everybody mm-hmm. that you would, because a lot of times spouses were separated, so they didn't give a shit, where you would want to keep the name of the slave owners so that it would maybe make it easier for your now free spouse to find you true does that make sense it does it does and I, and I can i can i can definitely see that i can definitely see that and just like you said because there was no there was no concern about keeping the black family unit together it yeah. was how much money can i get for this or how much use can I get out of this woman or this man or what I do better mm-hmm. selling this man to, you know, Johnson down the road because he's got women that he can put together, you know, just yeah. thinking about human beings as livestock basically. Yeah. So yeah, there was yeah. no concern about trying to keep a family unit together. So I can definitely see that because, uh, you know, there have been countless stories and I'm sure countless stories that we won't ever know about unfortunately of people being separated and trying to either wait for their family to come to them wherever they Mm -hmm. escape to or trying to come back to get them 
and having yeah. no idea and finding out the place that the both of y'all were, they're no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. And do you ever, what is it? Is it, where do I come from with Dr. Henry Louis Gates on PBS? It's a show yes. about genealogy. It's an excellent yes. show. I recommend yes. watching it. If you're into genealogy at mm-hmm. all, doing genealogy and going back on records is difficult. It's hard. It's hard for white people where there are records coming over from Europe in you know the 17 and 1600s. It's incredibly difficult. I can't imagine how difficult it would be as you know as a Black American trying to do your genealogy because as difficult as if for us, there's even less records of hey they came they got off the ship in America in 1654. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's no record before that. Mm-hmm. And and that has to, if you're into that sort of thing, genealogy, if you're not into genealogy, it isn't something that would ever pop in your head. Where that would, in a way, have an, an effect on your, on your identity, right? Because yes. I know my ancestors came from Scotland. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know, quick note, people that have Scottish descent used what was called the clan system with a C, C-L-A-N, and it means family. It is a Gaelic word. And it was, it was sort of like tribes. Uh-huh. And so when I say clan, that's what I mean. I don't mean the blue no, clan. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I probably would have, I probably, I and myself and hopefully our listening audience would have caught that in context, but thank you. I, I, I just learned, wanted I to say that. New. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to make sure that that was understood. Understood. <laughs> yeah. So I know that as a Robertson, I come from Clan Donachy, which means Duncan's children, which ironically enough, the chief is always a Robertson, not a Duncan, because the first chief was named uh, Duncan the Stout. So I know all of that. I know that it goes to Scotland and that I had people that lived in this area, right? Because that's where Robertsons lived, mm-hmm. was around Loch Ronach. I know that. I haven't done as much genealogy on like my mother's side, but even... Like on my dad's side also. It's like Scott marrying Scott, marrying a Scott, marrying a Scott. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and then my DNA, there's a good chunk of Norway. Well, that's because Vikings had a fun time in Scotland. (laughs) But um, So I know that if I work hard enough, I have a chance of finding my ancestral identity in Scotland, right? Right. But as a Black person, if you're doing your genealogy, it pretty much stops when you come to America. And once again, there's that bias. A lot of people think that um, Africa is just sort of made up with, well, there are black people from Africa. Well, no, there are multiple ethnic, you know, sub-Saharan people from Africa, Mm -hmm. tons. And it makes a big difference. Obviously they have wars all the time because the one group doesn't like the other group, but you would still want to know my person came from the Congo or yes. Ethiopia. And you and, don't and, have any way of knowing that. Mm-hmm. Unless you, I guess if you did DNA, but even then it would need to be a pretty strong DNA sampling of Africa to figure out which part of Africa your person originated from. And you're right. And, and the reason why I, 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 and I want to say the reason why my dad was successful, as successful as he was in his research is that a lot of our a lot of our ancestors on that side of the family were white. Mm-hmm. So there's <laughs> records there. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and, and it's, it's like, okay, this is the re- they they got documented. And right. those, you know, those parts of us of those ancestors that were descendants of slaves, 
weren't as lucky. Like you said, there's no record of them coming over when they were, um, wherever they were, whoever they were sold to, their names yeah. were changed, their heritage, their culture, their religion, everything that made them them was stripped from them. Yeah. So, and then of course, the assumption that these people weren't educated. And so, you know, that, that, you know, slave owners took it to me, well, we've got to educate them in, in our ways. And we have yeah. to, we have to help them find the religion and, and, but they wouldn't teach them to read. Oh no, wouldn't, wouldn't do that. And, and, and once again, of course, the, the fact that so many slaves learned to read or sometimes were mm -hmm. taught to read by, I guess, a more benevolent slave owner mm -hmm. or perhaps the slave owner's wife. And then they turned around and taught their fellow slaves to read. That proved mm -hmm. right there. Education yeah. wasn't the problem. But once again, it's, it's, it's the idea that, well, they don't understand us. So that equates yeah. to being stupid. And, and <clears throat> you also have to look at it this way. There could be, you know, a boat that had 50 people on it, but all 50 of them might not have come from the same area. So there could be 50 people in 20 different languages. Exactly. And then when you get off the boat um, and then you get, I don't even like using the terms, but when you get bought and go to your plantation, now your chances are having somebody there that spoke the language you, you know, spoke wasn't going to happen. <laughs> And, and then so, they made they made sure of that. That's the thing. When when you, yeah. you talk about how long the slave trade lasted, and the fact that obviously the more successful buyers and traders went to the same countries in Africa, mm -hmm. meant at at some point they got a certain understanding of what languages or what to listen for, depending on what tribe or what culture mm -hmm. they happened to come across. So they got an idea. Yeah. When they came across these Africans that they had stolen, they say, oh, this one came from the same clan as this one. Send them to two different plantations because they didn't even want them to be able to associate well, yeah, and, exactly. and have that comfort of, of, a, of a countryman, a fellow countryman. Mm -hmm. It was all, it, it's diabolical the yeah. way, the way that yeah. whole institution was set up. It's just, yeah. Um, <laughs> like I said, it has to be difficult if not being able to know part of your ancestral identity mm -hmm. and that's something that is less likely to happen for people of european descent yeah so so one one last thing mm -hmm. and this is a, a fairly recent story from earlier this year and it's something i'd never heard of until i heard this story so we all know living in this country that our version of football is an mm -hmm. exclusive one because right. every other country football is soccer Right. Or they call it football. We call it soccer. Mm -hmm. But our version of football is something entirely different. And uh, as you know, football is, is a brutal and exciting game. But mm -hmm. what they've what they found out or finally admitted in recent years is that it does cause a great deal of physical damage. Oh, yeah. Not just to the body, but also to the brain, mm -hmm. especially for those players that play positions where they get hit. Mm -hmm. You know, they're defenders. They get hit. And they make contact with other players, other players' helmets, the turf, whatever, what have you. So mm -hmm. now, you know, in recent years, the NFL has acknowledged the fact that a lot of their retired players have been suffering from certain forms of brain, da brain damage, mm -hmm. including signs of dementia. So they yeah. established um, an insurance fund to be able to compensate these players when they unfortunately start showing signs of this dementia. And... It came out that there's a certain cognitive test that they would give the players to determine how much of an insurance award they would give them. Mm -hmm. 
but there was two sets of standards, one for black players and one for white players. And we're talking about a sports league that is majorly both active and retired, majority black. Yeah. And the way this, this, this cognitive test was set up is that blacks were already baselined at a lower intelligence level than their mm-hmm. white counterparts. So it was made that much harder for them to prove any kind of brain deficiency. Right. And often, oftentimes they either weren't awarded anything or awarded a lot less than they should have been. Mm-hmm. And apparently it just came out that the NFL had been doing this for a while, almost yeah. since they had started reimbursing. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, wait a yeah. minute. Again, again, it's that, that quiet part out loud. Yeah. And yeah. We're like, wait You're a right. minute. What, what's happening? Yeah. yeah. And we're going to have to, at some point, do an episode on how in the medical community, there's the idea that Black women don't feel pain the same way <laughs> white women do. And so mm. they get less stuff during birth. And, mm-hmm. But that's a, we couldn't touch on, we'd be here. Oh, yeah. At least an hour talking about that alone. <laughs> yes. But I, I wanted to touch on that because that was kind of a fairly recent yeah, yeah, event. No. And that's, again, one of those one of those biases. And this, yep. to me, this is more explicit than yeah. implicit. But, yeah. you know, the assumption that and, and that's why for so many years, there were very, very few black quarterbacks and black head coaches because the assumption mm-hmm. was they weren't smart enough to lead. Right. So I know. Yay to the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> but it's it's just like I said, it's just and, and like I said, when I when I when I thought about this topic, I knew it was so widespread and far reaching that it would be impossible to touch on everything that it impacts. But at least we did got get it, you know, talk about some more recent relevant things. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I thought it was a, a, a fantastic talk today. I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. I did. I very much did. Yes. I guess we need to go ahead and sign off here. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm going to say bye. I guess I'll let Kenyatta say bye. So we're both saying bye. Um, I echo Jack. Thanks for listening. Again, if, if you have any feedback to share, we'd love to hear it. Um, and mm-hmm. we'd love to hear any ideas or suggestions you have for us for any future topics. And as always, we wish the best for you. Um, we hope you stay safe, that you stay healthy, and as happy as you possibly can in these chaotic times. Meanwhile, we'll be over here trying to save the world. <laughs> exactly. So we'll talk to you later, everybody. Bye. Bye.